0: Goodness gracious, we're up to podcast number 24 on Home and Garden Radio. Home and Garden Radio podcast is the podcast version of our weekly radio show, which is heard on radio stations all across the country. By the way, in this episode, I talk about dead pine trees, and then I spend a lot of time talking about how cool Roundup really is and why Monsanto's not that big, bad monster. You're going to want to listen to this. You really are. Hi, kids. Welcome to this edition of Home and Garden Radio. I am Michael Kroos, and it is time to do the show again you know, we just did the show. Oh, I guess it was a week ago. Well, what can I say? Oh, let me do some important things here. A little bit of uh, housekeeping. Shut the ringer off on the cell phone. You know, an ex-wife is bound to call, you know, while I'm doing radio. It happens all the time. And and since I have three of them, it happens, you know, it, it's much greater chance You know, gosh, maybe an ex-girlfriend will call. I doubt it. That'd be nice, though. Uh, But anyway, hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful Saturday. I, you know, am having a marvelous week. I got the just, you know, I just had an exciting week. Earlier in the week, I got called out, and I knew where I was going, and I knew what it was going to be. And I get this call all the time, and I usually get it from builders or developers, But this time, I got it from a very egotistical homeowner who had a very large piece of property that he built a beautiful home, had built a beautiful home, had this built some years ago, Uh, and the home was way back on the property, and he had, over on the left-hand side of the property, a little dirt road that that you drove down to go to the property. I had been to the property before. Well, I was by there. Oh, gosh. Four or five months ago? No, no, it was longer than that. It was before... De- yeah. You know, it, it's been a while. It was before the first of the year. It was before December that I went by there. And I saw that they were building a concrete driveway, not where the little dirt road was, but right smack down the middle of the property. Uh, And it was weaving in and around a bunch of pine trees. And I remember, I remember this so well that when this happened, I said, you know, I should have talked to him because a lot of those pine trees are going to die. Now, I happen, if you live in the south, the farther down into the south you live, the pine trees just don't do well down in the south. And especially in central and south Florida, they just don't do well. I mean, they do all right out in nature. They don't look like the pines that, you know, we had up north, but they, they do all right in nature if you don't mess with them. But messing with them would be construction, putting in a concrete driveway uh, down this piece of property and winding the driveway in and around the trees, which when the guy did it, he thought, hey, this is nature. I'm saving the trees. I'm not cutting down trees Uh, I'm making the driveway go in and it just looks nice and isn't this wonderful. Except for one thing. He's killing a lot of trees. And I I knew this when I saw them install. And by the way, he must have spent a ton of money having a concrete driveway. It probably went back 250, 300, maybe 350 feet back down to his property. That it wound through there. And it was concrete. It had to cost a lot. But the guy has a lot of money. He makes makes an enormous amount of money. So I said, okay. But anyway, I get the call this week. And several of his pine trees are in bad shape. And he wanted me to come out and uh, tell him how to save the pine trees. <clears throat> so I said, okay. Now I charge money to go out and look at stuff. I just don't do it for free. I charge money to you know drive up to his house, and go on his property and get out of my vehicle and look at his stuff, and then determine what's wrong with it. So I, you know, I get paid pretty well for doing that. As a matter of fact, so I, I go up there, and right away I knew what it was before I got there. I knew what it was before I even arrived, and what he had done, and I had to explain this to him. Is he, you know, pine trees have very shallow roots. And uh, when you pour concrete over the top of them and you drive heavy trucks, such as concrete trucks, uh, over them, it stresses out the roots. And over a period of time, they start to decline. And when they start to decline, what happens next is they get pine bores. Okay, these are little beetles that fly into the tree and lay eggs and eggs hatch out into larvae which burrows down into the trees and it goes through the cambium layer of the tree, which is the area where the circulation of the sap goes and it interferes with the circulation of the sap and the tree becomes weaker and weaker and it dies. And when a pine tree has pine beetles in it and you notice them, you see the sawdust, you see the sap running down the trees, it's too late, tree's gonna die. Now there are, you know, well, back in the day, there were spray companies that would go out there and charge you several hundred dollars to spray all those trees, which was an environmental nightmare, in my opinion, because they, they were sprayed with a chlorinated hydrocarbon chemical that, you know, they were shooting up 30, 40 feet in the air and it was going everywhere. It's called Lindane, was, uh, was, was the product. Lindane, by the way, is still available from your pediatrician's office as a prescription to get rid of head lice. Works quite well. But uh, anyway, you know, that was a waste of money back then. Not to mention the fact that you were polluting your, you know, your entire environment by doing it. It was a waste of money because once you start seeing sap and sawdust running out of those trees, those trees are going to die. It's time to, as they, you know, Dandy Down used to sing, turn out the lights, the party's over. So, he looked at me in total frustration, and he's really mad because he spent all this money to curve the driveway in and around the trees and, and everything. And, and now he was like royally mad that these trees are all going to die. And, of course, he's taking it out on me, the bearer of his bad news. And um, I, I said, well, you know, that's life. And sometimes life is hard, and sometimes life is complicated. Most of the time it's not, but sometimes it is. And, you know, sorry. Sorry. You know, what, what can I say? And by the way, that'll, you know, I need my check. Uh, but um, in any respects, he said, well, what could I have done to prevent this? I said, ah, what a brilliant question that is. The first thing you should have done is call me or call my buddy, Stan who is a certified arborist, or call any certified arborist and have them come out and look at everything and tell them what you are going to do. And there are, here's what I would have done Had I been you, before any construction would have started, I would have fertilized like there was no tomorrow. I would have done a balanced fertilization on all of the trees. Not a deep root fertilization, by the way, but a balanced fertilization of all of the trees. I would have top-coated the area probably with a 10-10-10, rich with minor elements, lots of minor elements, uh, is what I would have done. I would have had a maugay tree injection specialist come out to provide a good minor element injection into all of those trees. In other words, we want to build up those trees and make those trees as healthy as can be. We want to make those trees so darn healthy that they are the the sap pressure knows that the sap that's running down that cambium layer. is just nice and tight and nothing's going to get in there and bother it. So when the time comes, and by the way, I would have waited to do the driveway until winter. I would not have done the driveway during the middle of the growing season because that's when a lot of stress is already put on the plant because the plant is taking in all of the nutrients and could take to, you know, provide more pine needles and everything else that, that you need to, to do this. So I would have waited until we got into a little bit of winter dormancy and then and only then i would have then put the driveway through and i would have paid a little bit better attention than he did and i would have looked for the drip lines of the trees instead of you know he had that concrete 3 feet away from some of these trees well those trees are going to die this you know they're they're just going to die so now he feels as though everything he did was for naught he has to take down about 22 trees, I think I counted, which is going to cost him a whole bunch of money. So what if I just let them die? I said, if you let them die, they're going to attract more pine borers, more pine beetles into the area, and you are endangering your other trees. You need to take these things down and have them removed from the property immediately. So, you know, and then, well, now what am I going to do? I have this driveway. I said, in the dormancy of winter, after you've gotten all of this stuff done then i would feel free to plant trees now i personally would not plant pines because pines are weak i would plant something else and there's a wide variety of trees that you can plant in those open areas to go around the driveways that would look real good and i'd made a couple of suggestions and he thought that was a good idea So that's what he was going to do. So the driveway that already cost him a ton of money, just an absolute ton of money, is now going to cost him a ton more money because he's going to, A, have to remove about 22 trees, which is not going to be cheap, and, B, he's going to have to buy a whole bunch of new trees and have them planted. So the end result, he'll have a better-looking landscape. Everything will be better. Everything will be wonderful, And he can buy his pretty new wife a new Corvette. And that should make everything just great. We will continue right here on Home and Garden Radio in two minutes and five seconds, or maybe longer. Do you have German cockroaches in your house? Hey, this week's edition of Home and Garden Radio is brought to you by the good people at HelpIHaveBugs.com. That's HelpIHaveBugs.com. HelpIHaveBugs.com.
1: Gardening in two minutes. Though it may be the fall, there's still time to weed. Now, you may think weeding is only a springtime or a summertime activity, but weeding in the fall is very crucial to getting a good start next spring. There are some reasons why you should weed in the fall, and these include one is so that you can prevent having more weeds come up in the spring by having the seeds get into your soil. During the summer, the seeds, if you let them get away from you, the weeds will produce seed pods. Now, if you can catch them before they put the seed pods on and distribute the seeds in your garden, you're a step ahead. But by if you have not got to that point and the, seed, and the plants have already put seeds on and distributed them, the weeds, then you're going to have more weeds come up next spring. So by extracting them out of your garden bed now, you will still have enough warm days so that allows at least some of them to begin to germinate and that way you can start purging the the garden bed, your raised bed, your raised berm, wherever you're growing at from some of those weed seeds. You're still going to have weeds in your garden uh, when you let seeds, weeds go to seed you're looking at about a seven year span before you can actually get a, a clean bed again if you work diligent at it. So that's one thing is to prevent those seeds from being growing over over the, the winter or- in the spring, come back up in the spring. Another thing is to get the roots out, the weed roots out, because that prevents the weeds from coming back as well. Many weeds, if you just pull them out and leave the roots in, they are designed by nature to propagate from very small fragmentations of roots. So you may extract a large plant and leave a little root and that root will soon begin to grow a very large plant again. For more information regarding weeds and weeding, for our weekly video productions, as well as our free downloadable digital quarterly magazine, you can find all that information at thewisconsinvegetablegardener.com. For the health-conscious organic gardener worldwide. For Gardening in Two Minutes, I'm Joey Baird. And I'm Holly Baird. And me, I'm Michael Kroos.
0: And gosh, first of all, let me apologize to Joey, Joey and Holly for not putting their segment on last week. I confess, I had it queued up to go, and I just, I forgot. I'm sorry. I just I just just I just forgot and, and I'm and I'm sorry about that. I truly am. Now let's get on to what they were talking about. Joey just said something very interesting. In your organic garden, if you get a strain of weeds going in there, it could take up to seven years to get rid of them organically by manually taking the things out. It's a lot of work. And by the way, if you look at some of their videos, you will see weeds in their garden and You know, they're they're constantly dealing with that. Organic gardeners constantly deal with weeds in the garden. Industrial farmers do not. Or farmers that aren't organic gardeners also do not. There are lots of really nice people, Americans, that have backyard gardens that just don't go organic. And there's a lot to be said for organic gardening. Now, when I grow food that I eat, I tend to grow organically. And and I say that until about, oh gosh, 10 years ago, we planted a rather vigorous, large vegetable garden out in the backyard. And the plan was to go 100% organic with that. You know, and all the kids would come out and help at the time. I had three kids at home and... You know, we would all go out there and we would work on that garden. I want you to know that what Joey said was exactly right about weeds, that it could take seven years. Well, you know, we had a bad weed situation in the garden and we went out there and we pulled weeds. Oh my goodness. did we pull weeds. And by the way, you have to do that because if you don't pull the weeds, what weeds are are nutrient hogs, Okay. They will suck up the nutrients that you want to go to your vegetables. You want all of these natural nutrients in the soil to go to your the food that you're eating to enhance the taste, to enhance the viability, to make it a healthy plant that you're going to eat and put in your mouth and swallow and grow strong, healthy bones and all that good type of stuff. That's what you want it to be. But, you know, golly gee... When all the weeds, and especially, now he was talking about weeds that when you remove them, parts of the roots break off. Those are called perennial weeds. And if you get creeping perennial weeds in your garden, which we had in our garden, they're just going to come back with a vengeance. I mean, they're just going to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. And finally, one day, I looked at the then Mrs. Crows as we looked out because we'd weeded the garden the week before and by golly, there were weeds coming up like you wouldn't believe. I went out and I got my one-gallon sprayer and I got the, oh gosh, I hope I hope Joey and Holly aren't listening. And I hope my organic gardening friends aren't listening, but I'm just going to confess, okay? I did it. I loaded up some Roundup in that thing. I put three ounces of Roundup in a gallon of water. And I walked out there with my little piece of cardboard. I take a piece of poster board and I shielded all of my veggies with that. And then I sprayed all of the weeds. That's what I did. I sprayed all of the weeds, all of the perennial weeds. There was torpedo grass growing up there and it was growing tall. I sprayed them all. I, I kept the Roundup away from the vegetables and I sprayed all of the weeds in the garden. My daughter was going nuts. All right. My my you know little natural organic daughter was about ready to have, you know, I you know, she was just beside herself but i did it and uh here's what i did i sprayed it with roundup roundup has an active ingredient called glyphosate that was developed by a company called monsanto monsanto even though they're hated by a bunch of people right now i have met a bunch of people from monsanto and i'm going to tell you something they're some of the nicest people i have ever met i have actually met some of the scientists who worked on developing glyphosate years ago when it first came out and they were making the rounds and they were just they were farmers themselves they were wonderful people and they said this is going to save a lot of money and it's going to save a lot of time and we're going to be able to grow more food and I will tell you that in my vegetable garden at my house it was a miracle within about five days My daughter, who is just furiously mad at me for doing this, I mean, she was just beside herself, she saw all of the weeds turning brown. And what glyphosate does is, well, let me tell you one of the things that's important that glyphosate does. Glyphosate neutralizes on soil contact. It has no residual in the soil whatsoever at all. It neutralizes. Good thing. Okay? The only thing that glyphosate affects... Are the green parts of plant that it touches that it gets on and then the glyphosate enters the circulation system of that plant and it translocates down through the roots not affecting the soil mind you only the roots and it kills off those weeds so because i used a piece of poster board to protect all of my vegetables all of the corn and everything else that we were growing out there the broccoli every everything that was growing i protected that and i sprayed off all the weeds The weeds all died. Now, let me tell you what else happened when the weeds died. The weeds then biodegraded into the soil, thus turning themselves into an organic form of nitrogen, thus making the soil better. I actually enhanced things. Ah, there's much more to talk about when it comes to this, and we're going to do that as soon as we return right here on Home and Garden Radio. And now, back to Michael. Yes, it's back to Michael. And gosh, now I've opened up a big can of worms talking about my use of Roundup in my once organic garden. Uh, I will tell you that uh, a week later, when, you know, the next weekend, when it came time to weed again. And we didn't have to weed because all of the weeds were dead. And they were dead all the way through the roots. It didn't take seven years to make the weeds be totally gone. They were all gone in seven days. Seven days, seven years. Okay, you're using a chemical. You're using a chemical called glyphosate. Which, by the way, no matter what you hear the people saying on television there is no proof that it causes any damage to people just no proof out there at all nothing that i have seen that proves that as a matter of fact monsanto you know the evil monsanto the evil monsanto they're not evil people i'm just but i'm just saying they spent millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to to test this product to do toxicology studies on this product to make sure and epa went over it with a fine-tooth comb, and then and then after the product was on the market, EPA decided, you know, I think under a Democratic president at the time, I forget which one it was, that may have been Clinton, I'm not sure, uh, said, oh, well, you know what? We want you to go over all of this stuff again. So everybody had to re-register products at that time. And, and a lot of the toxicology and everything had to be revisited by EPA. And once again... It passed with flying colors. And by the way, during that period of time, you saw a lot of products voluntarily taken off the market because the manufacturers who had these products okayed, you know, back many, many years ago, didn't think that they could pass the scrutiny as of today. But Monsanto knew because they knew their chemistry. And, you know, gosh, millions of homeowners use Roundup. Millions of agricultural companies use Roundup. Millions, you know, all lots of farmers use Roundup. And it has been, and I'm just going to sit here and say it and get everybody, you know, not get everybody, but get the organic people mad at me and say that Roundup, that glyphosate, the active ingredients in Roundup has been a godsend to agriculture. Now, what Monsanto has done, and other companies as well, by the way, that are making some of these people... Furious is they say, well, now they're creating GMOs, genetically modified organisms, the plants that are all genetically modified. Guess what, kids? All of our fruits and vegetables have been genetically modified for years, for years. Okay. Ever know of a naturally growing lettuce plant? Never happened Okay, it was genetically modified in order to work many, 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 many years ago. And yes, they grow it organically now, but it was still genetically modified. All right, uh, all of the people who are hollering, hooting, and hollering to make marijuana legal for medical use, they are the same people who are totally against genetically modified foods or genetically modified organisms. But guess what, kids? I'm a child of the 60s. The marijuana that we had long ago and far away was nothing like the marijuana that's out there today. The marijuana that's out there today will nail you to the wall, okay? It will make you do crazy. I mean, it's just very, very, very strong. Guess what? It didn't get that way naturally. It didn't get that way organically. It got that way because it was genetically modified. And all of the people who are in favor of legal mar- medical marijuana or legal marijuana period are the same people who are out there jumping up and down and saying, we don't want genetic- genetically modified food. Well, guess what? It happens and it's going to happen. And there is absolutely no proof that I have seen. And, and I invite the haters to come on the show, email me, I'll bring you on, bring your data. Make sure you bring your data when you come because I'm going to make you back up every darn word you say. But there is absolutely no proof out there whatsoever at all that modifying foods genetically is a bad thing because it's been done forever. We have all been eating genetically modified foods our entire lives. All of us have. It's something that has gone on and on and on. Now, what Monsanto did was they genetically modified corn and soybeans so that glyphosate did not affect it. Now, another interesting thing has happened, which is causing even more controversy with another chemical company. We'll talk about that right now. Uh, Since Monsanto created these genetically modified foods, now they're saying that there are super weeds that nature has adjusted, and some of the weeds are not being killed by glyphosate. I'm not sure about that, but they're saying. And the other thing is, The other interesting part of this whole thing is that glyphosate is now off patent. Other people, besides Monsanto, now manufacture glyphosate. They no longer have the only, you know, piece of pie in the pan. Anybody who wants to manufacture glyphosate can now do that. And a lot of companies are. And Dow Chemicals have come up with a product. The name escapes me right now. I'll see if I can remember it. But it doesn't matter because you're not going to buy it anyway. But Dow Chemical is now coming out with a product that has, and by the way, it is being maligned by the organic people like crazy, and they're making false statements about it, which I will cover right now, quite succinctly. But they are taking glyphosate, and they are blending it with 2,4-D, mixing it all together in one product with a surfactant in it to spray out there. And what that does, well, what the organic people or the, you know, the, the environmental people are screaming about, well, they're screaming about a few things, but they're saying that it, it's the, the glyphosate doesn't work anymore. So they have to add 2,4-D to it. And 2,4-D is the same stuff that they used in Vietnam that with, with Agent Orange. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Agent Orange was basically made up of, or the product that was used in Vietnam to kill off the vegetation. By the way, the vegetation was killed off to make it safer for our military people to, uh, you know, see where the enemy was. My brother was a coxswain on, a, on one of the riverboats. Remember John Kerry was the captain of a riverboat? Well, my brother was a coxswain. In other words, he drove the boat. On, he wasn't with John Kerry, but he was over there about the same time. Uh, but he drove the boat down the river, and one of the biggest things that they had, that was a problem, was that the bad guys, the Viet Cong, would hide in the mangroves and all the the overgrown brush on the side of the rivers. So what my brother and his crew did when they took these river boats down these rivers is they shot. They had big pumps and they had big tanks, and they shot this chemical all over that vegetation to kill it off so that the bad guys couldn't hang there and kill them which by the way my brother thought was a great idea at the time what was a bad idea was that they the product was not made up of 24d the product was made up of another chemical formulation called 245t even though they sound similar they were very very different. Okay, 245T was much more efficient than 24D, much more. All right, and as a matter of fact, in the home and garden world back in those days, there was a version of that that was sold in garden centers all across America. The product was called Silvex. Okay. And it was a wonderful product. It killed weeds in your lawn, didn't kill the lawn, but killed weeds in your lawn very, very, very effectively. But what the military was using was an industrial grade, a low grade of this 245T, which had not gone through any, or, you know, the, in my opinion, the necessary toxicology testing. And many of our Vietnam veterans my brother included by the way had extremely adverse health problems also the fact is they weren't using safety equipment when they were applying this stuff and they were mixing it and they were shooting it and my brother and all of the people that he worked with were out there on those boats without shirts on and you know it was it was a mess it was an absolute mess and i i will be the first guy to tell you that was a, it was an absolute mess. But 245T was the product that did this. It was not 24D. And now Dow Chemical is mixing 24D, which was not the product used in Vietnam, with glyphosate and selling that uh, to farmers to control weeds. And you're saying, well, isn't that terrible? Isn't that just awful that... that- that that is happening. And the answer to that is, well, no, not really. It, it really isn't terrible and it really isn't awful that that's happening. And now you're saying, but Michael, why? Well, I will tell you why when we continue. Cruise. You know, sometimes gardening shows need to be controversial. And this is one of those because I'm now talking about, I'm sitting here defending Roundup to you. My good friend Everett Farnell, who's been on the show before, would be jumping up and down, yelling and screaming and hooting and hollering at right now if he were hearing this. And he will because he's going to listen to the podcast version of it when I post it on Facebook next, you know, this, this weekend. So, you know, later on in the day, it'll be posted on Facebook and he will listen to it and I will hear from him. But anyway, as I was saying, Dow Chemical is now coming out with their version of Roundup. Well, it's actually their version of a herbicide for agriculture. And what the environmental wackos, as Rush Limbaugh would say, uh, I won't call them environmental wackos. I will call them misinformed. What, what they are saying is that there's now super weeds that roundup won't control so now they're having to add this agent orange it's not agent orange agent orange the stuff that was used in vietnam as i said in the last segment was made up of 245t this stuff is made up of 24d totally different products i know they sound the same but they're totally different okay they don't even smell alike if that will help you okay 2,4-D is a little bit faster acting as a herbicide. Now, you mix that with glyphosate, and by the way, Monsanto is not doing this because, as I mentioned before, glyphosate is off patent. So this company, Dow, has now come out with a product that it's not designed to kill superweeds. It is a combination of two different chemistries, both have which, by the way, passed epa very tough standards for toxicology. 2,4-D has passed superior toxicology testing that EPA has required over the years. And then new, uh, new standards that EPA came out with in the 90s that you know were even stronger than the ones that were there before. So it's still on the market. It still works. It's good. So they've combined these two products and they are now selling it. And what it is doing is that it is actually killing the weeds just a little bit faster and a little bit more efficiently, in my opinion. And I have not seen them. And I'm out there a lot. There are no super weeds. I have yet to run into a weed that glyphosate will not kill. I just have not run into that. Now the environmental people are going to say, well, they're there. I haven't seen them. And even if that's true, and the combination of the 2,4-D with this is making it more efficient, that's fine. Okay, that is fine. When I can see testing that has been done by universities or someone who can publish and have it peer-reviewed that either glyphosate is bad for people or 2,4-D is bad for people, then I might reconsider. But I have not seen that. I have seen the exact opposite of that. I have seen that the exposure level to these products are not a problem to warm-blooded creatures like us and our dogs and our cats and rats. I wish you kill rats. But anyway, it's not a problem for them or birds, okay? It's not a problem. It's all right. Calm down relax. The earth is fine. Save yourself. It's it's Everything is going to be fine. So that is what I have to say about that. And that being said, my email, well, you can find my email right on the website. Just go. And by the way, if you want to voice your opposing view, you can do this right on my website, By voice, just go there to the little section that said, ask Michael, and you turn on the microphone in your computer and you push the button and you can say whatever you want. And if you don't say, you know, words that my boss will get all in a tether about, you know, the bad words, I will put them on the air. I will slap them right on the air and we will have a discussion about it. Or if you want to come on the show and debate me on this, bring your facts, go right there to homeandgardenradio.com. And you can contact me through there, and I will be just as happy and fair and balanced and polite, and what, unless you make me mad, uh, and wonderful to you and have you on the air. And you can tell me your differences with that. Okay? If we, you know, in organic gardening is wonderful, it's great. Joey and Holly do it, and they do a marvelous job. Gosh, I would love to taste, you know, some of the food that they grow. I really would. They are so serious at it, and they are so good at it. And, and by the way, I'm a pretty good organic gardener myself. I You know, when I grow organically, I do pretty well. But I'm going to tell you something. Organically grown food is not near as good tasting as food that I grow using chemical fertilizers. You know why? Because I have control. Of the nutrients, I have control of the minor elements. I can increase the calcium if I want to by increasing the calcium nitrate. Increasing the calcium, for instance, in tomatoes makes tomatoes meatier and tastier. Uh, the bananas the same way. I, all of these things can be regulated. And the hydroponic growers, by the way, the people who grow hydroponically, they do not grow organically hydroponically just doesn't work i mean some have tried it i have friends who have tried it i uh, there's a commercial farm over in tampa they've been on the, the radio with me before they're called oasis farms in tampa google them look them up wonderful people they grow right there in the city of tampa they've got a a two acre hydroponically grown farm over there That people come and buy from, and they are very, very successful and very popular. But they do, you know, they don't use chemical pesticides, but they do use chemical fertilizers because when they tried to go organic, people were not buying their fruits and vegetables because they tasted like bleh. But when they could control the nutrients using chemical fertilizers growing hydroponically, uh, by the way, growing all genetically modified foods like lettuce. Um, they were able to produce tasty, tasty, tasty vegetables, vegetables, which people come back, you know, and keep coming back for more and more and more. So that's just the way it is. So, and, and that is a fact of life. I have grown organically, I have grown using chemical fertilizers. I enjoy growing organically because it's more difficult and it's, you know, it, it's more of a challenge. It really is. And I just enjoy doing that. But I have also grown chemically and have been very happy with the results. I got to tell you, the entire family was happy when I went out and sprayed all the weeds in the garden that year with Roundup and killed them all off. And nobody was out there for the rest of the growing season pulling weeds. My daughter, who hated my, me like poison at first, loved me after that. She goes, Dad, this is wonderful. I said, Yes. And look, the stuff is all biodegrading into the soil and turning into natural nutrients. Hey, it's been a fun show. We will see you next week on Home and Garden Radio.